a Podcast One production. I'm Sammy Lucas and I'm romantically challenged. In fact, at this age, in my 40s, I'm probably more romantically challenged than I have been at any other stage in my dating life. You'd think dating at this age would be pretty straightforward, right? We've lived, we've loved, we've learned, we're supposed to have all the answers. But I don't. So... I decided to chat to a bunch of other men and women in the single 40-plus dating scene and find out how they deal with the dramas of modern dating. With all these new matchmaking sites and hookup apps, the dating landscape has changed dramatically over the last decade. And I can't help but laugh at all these articles written by so-called dating experts who reckon they've got all the tips to help you magically find your perfect match. It's all completely ridiculous. Then I came across a woman named Katia Loisel from a company called The Love Destination. Yep, she is a relationship and body language expert. But what I love about Katia is that when she suddenly found herself divorced and single again at the age of 39, she realised even as a so-called expert in the field, she had no idea how to navigate the modern dating scene. Here's Katia. I'm Katia Loisel and I'm a female in my early 40s. I enjoy seeing shows, going out with friends, traveling. I'm a relationship and body language expert and also produce shows on dating. And I just started seeing a great guy after separating six years ago. My ideal partner is genuine, kind, great listener, smart, whole lot of fun, has to be fun. Uh, Dating in my early 40s for me was a lot harder than I remembered. Chat soon. So when you came out of your marriage, Katia, Mm. and you found yourself single and dating again, how had things changed since the last time you were single? Well, things things were pretty different. I mean, when I was last single, I was... I think I was 29, so online dating was obviously a thing, but we didn't have all the the dating apps like Tinder. The hookup ones. The hookup apps. And I think that it just... It felt so much easier. You know, I was in it for a shock, you know, because obviously you've been working with It felt people. easier after? No, it felt much easier before. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's because I'd come out of, you know, obviously before I was married and didn't have kids and then I came out as a single parent with kids. And so I just found it, I found it a struggle. And, you know, it, it was almost like that put extra pressure on me because all of a sudden I felt like maybe I'm not good date material as well. You know, I had a girlfriend who was in a 20-year marriage yes. and it took her about five years yeah. of being single before she felt ready to even date. So I think it's so interesting for you. You, you were 20-something last time you were single, then you yes. got married and then you came back onto the dating scene 39. as a 40-year-old woman. <laughs> so almost 40. And you've got two kids. With my dad telling me I better hurry up because I'm going to be like on the shelf. (laughs) You've got the emotional baggage and I don't mean baggage in a bad way, but we've all got baggage. And after you've been through a marriage and you've shared your life that intimately with someone and you've had two children with them, of course there's baggage there that you are taking into your dating life that you didn't have in your 20s. Of course. And you know what? And I guess the disappointment and the shame, and I think this is an important thing to talk about, you know, when I, you know, I... 
got married. Most of us don't jump into a relationship or get married or whatever your relationship status is thinking that we're going to break up. We go in and we, you know, you think that this person is going to be my soulmate. They're the love of my life. I'm going to be with you forever, Do right? Do you think most people think that? When, when, you, when you're marrying somebody or whatever and you're having children with them, like you, you hope that you might think that, okay, maybe statistically it won't work. But I think we have a hope that maybe we're the one in a million See, and we're different. I don't different. know if I'm just the ultimate cynic, but I think a lot of people are kidding themselves. I think it's a short-term goal mostly. Yeah. I want today, I want the party and you're going to be a good father, so let's yeah. have some children. But, yeah. you know, I, I did a talk topic on radio and, and I was fascinated by it. And I said, did you know on your wedding day you were making a mistake? Our phones were jammed with people trying to get through. See, would they say so, yes? Oh, yes. Really? So I knew, but I'd already committed. Yeah. We paid for the wedding. I really wanted to have How kids. interesting. And I knew in that moment yes. as I was either standing there watching my yeah. bride walk towards me or walking towards my husband-to-be, I knew that it wasn't a forever thing. Yeah. It's a fascinating. Anyway, that's, that's a whole yes. other topic. But, yeah, so it's, it's wonderful that you can share your that you can be so open about saying, yes, it changed completely. And but I, I was like, so you were, be, you were talking we? about um, how it affects your self-esteem and you were also talking about the shame angle, which yes. I, I don't, is that from being divorced? Yeah, and this is something that I didn't expect because obviously I hadn't been through it. And so, I, I, yeah, I felt this deep sense of shame and almost embarrassment about being a single mum as well. And I think there's a stigma about single mums, even though people say this, and there is, you know. And I, What's the stigma? Well, I just feel as though people... Uh, sorry. That's all right. Office, you no, know. It's, it's good. Like, it's raw and emotional yeah, and it's you know, hard to it's talk actually, about. And I appreciate you being so honest. Yeah, it's hard to talk. This is, you know, it's hard actually to talk about it because I guess I just felt like I was a failure and that... Is it because you know when you're getting divorced, it's, you know, it's not just about you, it's yeah. about the kids as well. And do you feel ashamed or, I, I don't know, God, I wouldn't have a clue, but because I don't have kids, yeah. I haven't been through it, but I've seen a lot of my girlfriends go through it. And do you feel like you're letting the kids down? Yeah, there's, look, there was, there's definitely, I mean, when, when you know, my ex-husband and I separated, you know, we're, we're good friends now, but it, like it was, it was just devastating. Like it was, I wouldn't wish that on anyone like it was, it was gut wrenching seeing your kids have to go through that, and you know, basically not like you know you you're basically pulling your kids away from people that they love, and that is that's soul destroying, you know. And even if you feel like you're doing it for the right reasons, or you feel as though there's no other option, it's still hard. You still question what you're doing, you still feel as though you've let your kids down, you've let your family down, you know what I mean? Because you're there, you're supposed to protect them and there's a part of you that feels like, you know, you read the research about what divorce does to kids and even though you know better, you know that, you know, you can provide a, a great, you know, a great, be a great role model and and you'll be fine and your kids will be fine. It hurts, like it really hurt and I felt judged about being single, I felt particularly, you know, obviously being, you know, relationship expert, I felt judged. I actually, I was working on a media campaign and uh, it was, you know, financial advice after you're divorced and um, somebody in the comments, I know you shouldn't write, read the comments, but somebody in the comments wrote, you shouldn't be right, you shouldn't be a relationship expert if you can't keep a relationship. And it, I was <laughs> I was gutted. I oh, just, that would and hurt. you know what, I just... I guess it sort of reinforced those doubts that I'd had about myself, you know what I mean? 
And and there's this, you know, this this sense of shame that I'm talking about. It's just actually hard to put it into words, but it's almost like, you know, you, you separate and then you're not invited to the same things that you were anymore. It's almost like, you know, you're not seen as the same person that you were before. And I just felt quite alienated. And I don't know, potentially I did it to myself because I was feeling bad and and that's something, you know, that I haven't even thought of, you know, just as I'm saying it. But, you know, I just felt like a failure and I felt as though, you know, like a lesser version of myself. And I, I didn't feel like I could really go and talk about it with people unless they'd been through it. You know what I mean? Do you feel a bit selfish about it? Is that where the shame comes, that I'm being selfish because I'm doing this yeah. for me? Well, for me. Which you shouldn't yeah. in any way feel that way because you need to be happy. And I always I always think, you know, me again, no yeah. kids, never been married, yeah. but surely two happy households are better for kids oh, than absolutely. one unhappy household. Absolutely. You know, and living in conflict is is not ideal for kids. You know, I mean, we, we, that wasn't our situation. But... Um, you know, I mean, I went through a situation of, you know, for a short time having my kids all the time. And so, you know, there was no freedom for me. You know, my kids literally couldn't sleep. They'd be in my bed at 8.30 and I had to go to bed with them at 8.30. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good period in my life. Um, but I guess it's just, you know, I think that for me anyway, growing up in sort of a period where I felt like you made it work and and I couldn't make it work. You know what I mean? And so that I found hard. And I guess just people's reactions to it. So you know what I mean? As a relationship expert yeah. um, who's been through it and is yeah. is happy and willing to put your hand up yeah. and say, I really struggled and I felt all of these things, including shame. What would you say to someone who's going through that exact thing now? Yeah. What would you say to them? You know, what I'd say is something that a lot of us don't do is talk about it to your friends, talk about it to everybody, I feel anyway, like for me, I'm just talking about my own experience, like I just held myself to this standard of trying to be perfect and trying to, I didn't want everyone to see how bad it was. You know what? I almost felt like if I start talking about it, I'm going to cry and then I'm not going to get off the floor for a month or six months and then who's going to take my kids to school? There were <laughs> days when I didn't get out of bed and I didn't take my kids to school, FYI, and I just couldn't get out of bed, you know, and life was crap. And, and that's the same for a lot of people, not just when you go through a separation, just when you're going through a bad time or a breakup or whatever. And so just to know that actually that's normal and you're not by not on your own and there are going to be so many people who are going through, going through or have been through the exact same thing and to talk through it, you know, and actually just be honest about and get help from people. Ask your friends to help you, you know. What about if you're in that situation mm. and... All your friends are married and in couples and you feel like I just can't talk to a married person about this. They have been dumped before. Okay, so. Haven't they? Haven't we all experienced heartbreak? So just, talking to yeah, people helped you through honest, it. Yeah. Absolutely, you know. I'm just so, I love talking to you about this and I'm so fascinated that you're, you know, you've been in the relationship and body language expertise field for so long because 
you're in a unique position now where you're single and you're dating, right? I, I, well, I'm not single anymore. <laughs> Just recently oh, okay. met somebody amazing. But yeah, you know what? I, I was married for nine years and then I found myself single and didn't date for a while and then went out dating and oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's tough right you know what fear of rejection sucks like the thought that somebody you like or putting yourself out there it's hard it doesn't matter who you are and I was a bit you know confronted by this because you're like well I'm an expert and then you go out and you're like shit (laughs) I don't know a thing see wait a minute you you were 39 right when you divorced. It was, yeah, 38 and a half, 39, around that. Yeah. And you know what? To be honest, those kind of things, it can mess with your identity when you find yourself single. You know, in my field, I was like, well, I'm supposed to be an expert. And I'm sorry to say, and it feels really heartless to say, but you know how happy it makes me to hear someone who's a relationship expert say it is so difficult it out there. It is so difficult. Because you're the one that's supposed to know how to make it happen, right? You're the one that's but, but telling not. people how to date and how to find love. <laughs> but you know what? There's no like golden formula because at the end of the day, finding love and putting yourself out there, it doesn't come, it's got nothing to do with what you look like, how rich you are, how smart you are, how fabulous you are, Mm -hmm. whatever, all that crap, right? Because what we do is we send out both negative and positive signals all the time, right? Because often in the dating field, we have what's called a motivational conflict because we might really like somebody and think, oh my God, look at, you know, Sammy, she's super cute. But at the same time, there's part of us that's like, shit, I don't want to approach this person. I'm scared of getting rejected. If you want to actually enjoy the experience, I think just actually be able to enjoy connecting with people and then if it's the right person, great. I think I need to try this because I have reached a point and I know so many of my single girlfriends over 40 and some male friends as well. Yeah, It is exhausting. It's like that quote from um, Charlotte in Sex in the City. Like she said, I've been dating for 15 years. I'm exhausted. Where is he? (laughs) And it is so like that. And I write about this in my book. You know, I've been dating for 30 years. I'm just bloody exhausted. Yeah, I just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, But But it's not just women, right? It's men as well. But then you're not going to meet anyone if you give up, No, no. But I think that we attract people based on where we're at in our lives. If you're in a bad place, if you haven't sorted out your crap, if you don't like yourself, you will not, you cannot attract a great relationship. See, I don't know about that. With all due respect, Katya, and I know that's your your relationship coach, you know, hat, but I'm in a good place. I'm happy with my life. I've sorted all my shit. I don't have any dramas or issues to deal with and I still can't meet anyone. But what I'm saying is the reverse of that. But, you know, but when you do meet somebody, then they're more likely to be the right person. But if you were in a crappy place in your life, then the chances of you attracting something that was going to be amazing with somebody who had their crap together is is unlikely, right? And just because you haven't found somebody, it doesn't mean you're not going to. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, now I'm saying that, (laughs) but... This is the thing about it, isn't it? This is what I think, is we're so obsessed with this timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I lost that timeline when yeah, I sort what? of crossed over, when I went to the fertility expert yeah. and I tried to have a baby yeah. for so many years and then the last time I went, he said, okay, I'm going to be really honest with you, Sam, you are now off the scale. So we only provide stats on your percentage rates yeah. of live births and pregnancies. Up to 45. Yeah. Okay, you're now not even on the sheet of paper in front of me with oh, the stats. How did that you, make you feel? Well, uh, you know, miracles can happen. Yes. And you hear people falling pregnant yes. at certain ages. But I stopped putting my the yes. pressure on myself to yes. find 
a father for my child. Yeah. Yeah. And for me now, it's just about finding the right person to grow old with. Yeah. You know, and I don't yes. have to have that pressure up the top. Yeah. So, so there is no timeline. When yeah. I find him, that'll yes. be great. Well, that's it's just it, the process. It? And I'm I'm at peace with that. It's yeah. the process, yeah, the process of is trying to find a good one. <laughs> so when you went like through the situation yourself yes. and you were in the trenches and you were experiencing life as a single yeah, I person. I just call my dating. friends and cry. But did you want to then like <laughs> ring all of your clients and say, Oh yes. my God! Uh, let me tell you. And you know what's Sorry. funny? Because because I've got and I I've, I'm just releasing some courses and it, and I, I when I was recording them I actually was just saying I'm really sorry. It's much harder now than what it was before. And I found that you know being older it was more difficult and dating now is very different because internet and particularly dating apps has changed everything. You know I used to run speed dating and flirting workshops around Australia. And I had speed dating events where there were like 140 people. <laughs> I remember when speed dating was all the thing it and everyone was, a, was like, it was oh, a big, And I used to dating. run like the biggest in Australia. There was like 140 <laughs> bloody nightmares. How many marriages came out of that? Lots. Really? Loads of babies. Yeah, absolutely. Guys would tick everybody, by the way, and girls would only tick like one if they were lucky, but, but guys would that, tick everyone. It's, that's not changed. No. And that's kind of but, the same, I think, on online dating, isn't it? Yeah. Girls go through and go, oh, he looks all right. And then they wait 10 more. Oh, he's yeah. got, he's got you nice know, I eyes. Guess, you know, Whereas from, guys are like, yep. Yep, yep, yep. But yep, it makes yep. more sense, She's right? got I two mean, arms and yeah. some teeth. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but women are a lot pickier than guys. But the thing was is that then it was kind of a big, people would secretly go and date two or whatever, you know, people at the same time. But now people are on four, five apps. They're swiping as fast as they can go. They're dating loads of people. I, I went on a date with a guy who told me he had a spreadsheet and he had 13 oh. women on it and he had kept, no. he wrote down where he took them, what they liked, um, their kids' names, all of that stuff so he wouldn't have crossover. <gasps> this is what people are doing now though. And I'm sorry, so basically they're on Bumble or they're on Tinder and they are swiping and what happens, it becomes a dopamine hit and it's basically akin to gaming, right? It's the same sort of right. mechanism. Every time, you get a, slot every time you get a ping, you get a dopamine hit. So it gives you a high. So we're getting this instant, and we're so addicted to instant gratification. I used to say you know? men thinking with their dick. Is that women thinking with their dopamine? We well, Same both thing. men and women <laughs> thinking with their dopamine. You know, we're, we're, we've become a society that's kind of addicted to the high, right? But what what's happening is that rather than actually just going sort of dating one person and, you know, may, allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and really connect and risk being rejected and, yes, risk liking somebody who doesn't like us back. Mm-hmm. I know it feels like crap. What we do is we spread ourselves thin so we don't really care. We're not really that invested because there's a few of them on the go, but we're not really actually connecting with people anymore. We're having these kind of superficial kind of connections. We're not actually being honest. We're not going and saying, you know what, I'm really nervous. I haven't dated in a while. I was really scared to meet you. We're pretending like it doesn't matter. Pretends like we do it all the time. We're human beings and we're supposed to connect with each other. If we want to have deep relationships that are going to go somewhere, we have to give ourselves permission to connect deeply with people and, to be, and be rejected. So so do you think then from your dating experience, you know, for being single over yeah. 40 and going through all of this, are you trying to say just be vulnerable yes. and be honest and and, no, and say I'm on your first date, I'm you know, nervous. I'm really I nervous. I was really nervous. And it's okay to do that. Yes, because you one thing to realise 
is they are just as nervous as you. Really? And by you, of the course. The guy with they, the spreadsheet is not nervous. Know, no, I'm sorry. he was nervous. Why do <laughs> really? you think he had? Why, why do you think people do? People don't go and shag half of Sydney because they're feeling really great about themselves. You know, it's because they need validation. We are all just as nervous as each other. We all need something. We all use different things to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Everyone has their own thing. This is, um, and I want to just pick your brain yeah. a little bit about the whole, the body language yes. side of it because, you know, it's so important. fabulous to have your opinion about, you know, body language because I'm always getting it completely yeah. wrong. Well, I feel like I'm getting it completely wrong, particularly when you meet someone. And I don't know if this is so much a body language thing or a communication in general thing, a verbal communication yeah. thing. How do you know if he's the guy that wants to shag half of Sydney or if he is the guy that's genuine and honest and decent and yes. looking for a relationship. Is there anything in yes. body language that Well, there, there are some signs. That? Okay, so so if you're looking for somebody who's just after a short time and a good time and nothing further and you keep attracting that same kind of relationship, I think it's important to look at yourself because, you know, there's this thing about playing hard to get, right? And often what happens is when we're feeling really nervous or unworthy or vulnerable and we go out dating, what we do is we unintentionally play hard to get because we're so nervous because we feel like nobody wants to talk to us. What am I doing? I don't want to be here. We send out negative signals. We avoid eye contact. We cross our arms because we're nervous, right? So we use comforting gestures. This is, I'm having a light bulb moment. Men don't come near me, Katya. It's like, and I say, it's like I have an invisible man repellent shield around me. Yes. And I reckon you've just hit the nail on the head, which is what I'm doing because I'm feeling so vulnerable and nervous and, you know. So let me put it to you this way. Scared. So when we're vulnerable and nervous, so what I would say to you at home is this as well. Write down, what do I do when I feel nervous? How do I come across? What happens to my breathing? What happens to my body? Is Am I relaxed or tense? Am I open or closed? Do I move towards people or away? Do I make eye contact or do I avoid contact? Would you approach you? If the answer is no, then you need to uncross your arms and legs. Even if you're comfortable that way, at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about how other people are going to interpret you from their standpoint, their perspective of being as nervous as hell. When we're nervous Mm -hmm. as hell, we interpret everything as a negative. So any negative signals you send out, that's all we're going to see because we've got a negative filter on and we're not capable of seeing that tiny smile because what we see is that you're closed off and you're avoiding eye contact and you're hot and shit, I'm not going to risk that. Smiling is a submissive gesture. It says, I'm not going to bite you, you know. it's I'm not going to hurt you. Come and talk to me. I'm safe. If you are out there and you're, it doesn't, not even talking about dating, just generally connecting with other human beings. If we're so nervous that we can't even smile and look at people, then how are we going to interact? See, you know? I, I, They're I, just as nervous as you are. I More. The smile is such a big thing, Katya, and I had a male friend and I had said to him, I just can't meet anyone. Men don't approach me. Men never say hello to me in bars. They don't buy me drinks. They don't come near me. And he said, you have to smile. Yes. You have to smile at men. That's all they want. And so the next time I went out with some girlfriends, I said, we actually called yes. it Operation Smile. And I Love wrote an it. article about this when I was writing a column in Brisbane for a magazine. And I smiled at everyone all night. And I felt like a complete tool. Yeah. But I had more men pay me attention yes. that night and try and talk to me and buy me drinks. Green light, And I don't right? know, I've lost sight of that over the last decade. You know what? I just forgot about the smile. It's so simple. Okay, Katja, I'm on a date. I'm sitting mm-hmm. across with the guy. We're having dinner in a lovely restaurant. Are there any signs that, like, you can instantly tell that he's into you? Yes. Body language signs? Yes. 
Other than him leaning across and trying to kiss me or touching my (laughs) hand or something, which I wouldn't welcome on a first date. When we like somebody, a few things happen, right? And this is pretty much universal across the board. So you'll see them looking at you more often. Right. So not afraid to hold eye contact. Not, well, they might be afraid to hold eye contact, but they're going to be glancing your direction a lot more. You know, you'll look down at the menu, they'll look up, you'll, you'll look up, they'll look down, you know. You'll catch them looking at you. So you're going to have increased eye contact. You're going to have increased proximity. So we get closer to things we like. And actually the, the, our torso, so the upper half of our body, subconsciously leans in towards what we like and leans away from what we don't. So if somebody comes towards you and it's, you know, too fast or you're not attracted, we tend to lean back, you know. But when we like something or somebody, we tend to lean forward. So they're going to be leaning towards you. See, I sometimes think when a guy is sitting across from me, Mm. if he does that whole lean back thing, I don't take it that he's not into me. I take it that he's trying to pretend that he's being super cool and relaxed. That's a bit different. That's sort of like the leaning back in the chair. That's that's the power pose. So basically that's making him feel more confident. He's doing the splay. So he's putting himself on display. It doesn't necessarily mean he's not into me. No, but It might just mean he's a dick. Yeah. No, no, but also (laughs) he's, you know, it's it's a peacocking, right? It's a a display. So it, it shows that he... Potentially, actually, does like you. What yeah, I'm because you about, think if he cares, yeah. he's caring about yeah. what I think of him, so he's trying to put yes. on a show. But in that case, his legs would be pointed towards you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So his legs and Taking his feet. Notes. So notes. he would be leaned back, but he'd sign of kind of his legs would be sort of in your space. So generally, what I mean by leaning back is you know when you get close to somebody and they kind of lean do the lean right. back and yes. the eyes kind of go wide and their chin goes down and they kind of get that turtle face. Turtle <laughs> so, face. So it's that kind of lean back that I'm talking about. So you might notice that they'll move their glass, you know, closer to you or they'll come and sit a bit closer or they'll they'll sort of move slightly more into your personal space. So they're going to get closer to you. And more comfortable in and your more, space kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, more comfortable. Right. They're, they're sort of testing the water and their intention cues, we call them, is like they might move their glass slowly towards the middle. It's kind of showing you where their hand would like to be and basically you know they're testing the waters to see if they're going to get anything back so you might also get a little bit of touch so either they're going to touch themselves you know we hear that the printing and we it's kind of feels like it's like the girl playing with her hair yeah, right at the end of the day no one stands there and pretends you know but what happens is when we're when we're attracted it actually increases blood flow in our face right increases our skin gets tingly our lips get tingly that's why if you're looking at somebody and you kind of think oh my god I'd really want to kiss you then all of a sudden we might play with our lips because <laughs> they're they're actually actually filling with blood and they start to tingle. Our face gets more sensitive. I don't get the tingly lips, but I definitely feel attention. My attention is drawn to my mouth. I had this the other day. I was on a flight and I was sitting next to this guy and I never get seated next to a hot guy on a plane, ever, ever, ever. Really? Then we start chatting. I checked his wedding finger, no ring. Start talking about our dogs. And I felt a little flirtation and all of a sudden I felt... My attention was drawn to my mouth and I couldn't speak properly and it was a really weird thing. Yeah. I had to sort of look away from him for a while because I was very self-conscious. Was that my body? That's your body. Could telling- he see that? <laughs> like was he getting that, oh, my God, she's into me because her no. mouth's really weird? You know, at the end of the day, a lot of these things are micro-expressions. They happen even though they feel like to us that they're 
flash like everybody can see, like this hot flushes we get, uh, they usually happen, they're like 1 25th of a second often. So most of the time the true expression of that kind of emotion happens so quickly, most people okay. won't see it. We feel like it's like, Whoa. but, you know, we, we, we mask it. We mask it with a smile. We pretend like everything's fine. And because they're probably thinking, oh, my God, she's so cute, she won't, she can possibly, you know, chances are they're not going to see any of the good stuff. They're just going to see the bad <laughs> stuff. Okay, so he's going to make more eye contact with more me. Eye he's going to lean in, maybe put his glass closer, glass closer. More touch. So either self-touch touching himself or trying to touch you. It might be accidentally brushing past you. It sounds cliched, but it's what we do. We're basically testing the waters, right? And and this is a good way as well if you like someone and you think, do they like me? I'm not sure. You can test the waters by accidentally touching them. Do they flinch? Do they look at you like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or do they hold eye contact? Do they give you a smile? Do they, you know, leave their hand there? These are all signs that, oh, okay, well, we can keep going here, you know? Any others? Any others. Um, you know, not a nonverbal one, but they're more interested in you. You know, if, if we're actually like somebody and attracted to somebody or maybe just like them as a person and and we're not just, a, you know, around, we're going to be more interested in that person. It's not going to be all about us. It's going to be about you. You know, you're going, they're going to be interested and in asking you questions about yourself and, and trying to make you feel comfortable, you know, so that's really important too. It took me a long time to realise that when I'm on a date and if the guy only talks about himself mm-hmm. and doesn't ask me anything about yes. myself. I used to walk away from those dates thinking, oh, well, why, why, sh- that's a bit, you know, maybe yes. I'm a bit, my ego's a bit too big that I think he should be asking me about myself. But you want someone to be interested in yes. you and your life. And in order well, to do that, they need to ask questions about yeah. you. So I then realised if a guy does not ask me any questions or very few questions about my life or not me, interested. he's not interested, not interested. And so I don't see him again. Yeah. And on the other side of that coin, And I've had this on quite a few dates where it's a first date and you're talking to that person and you know that it's going well, but you're just so focused on that person. And then you look up or I've looked up and noticed that we're the only two people left in the restaurant. Like they're literally putting chairs on tables and about to turn out the lights. That's a good date for me. Oh, you know what? Those dates are just, and it's like everyone else, like there's no one else exists, right? Like that to me, that's my nirvana. (laughs) And do you know what? I love that we're finishing on that because, you know, this is called Romantically Challenged and it's about the challenges of dating over 40 and we self-sabotage so much and we, we, you know, it can be really, really frustrating and it can be really devastating to be in this situation. But you know what? When it's good, it's really fantastic, isn't so it? It can, be, it can also be a lot of fun. And look at us both now smiling and laughing I know. about it. This is what love does, right? It just makes us feel good. Romantically Challenged was presented by me, Sammy Lucas, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Sound production was by Matt Nikolic and the executive producer is Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on iTunes.